This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. Oh shit! It's Vince Russo! Vince McMahon's best kept secret. I am the anti-Christ of professional wrestling! I've got a wife, three kids at home, and I really don't need this shit. How can this show be so awful, Mr. McMahon? I didn't think it was. The Angle on a pole match. And Hogan, you big bald son of a bitch, kiss my ass. Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. McMahon and the family, the rock, they screwed us all. Now you're the editor, right? Yes, I'm from New York. I'll get down right nasty. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Show hey. Show hey, Stevie. Busted fingernail and all, Shohei. What is up, Shohei everybody? might be on the trading blocks. What is that? Shohei might be on the trading blocks. Yeah, it's good, man. I, on, yeah, bro, the, how, how, how do you pay for something like that, Stevie? How, how do you put a price tag on what this guy has done? I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't know. We've they're seen talk, some of the great. Talking, we've we've seen some of the greats get traded. Dollars. Yeah, I don't know. You half know more than billion. me, man. You keep up with it more than me, brother. So I can't tell you, bro. They're talking half a billion dollars. I can see it. Unbelievable, bro. I can see it. I, I see. I swear, I can see it, bro. Let me ask you a question, Stevie. With all your years in professional wrestling, and you know, being around, and you know, around. You know, all the boys, you know, I look at Shohei Otani and and I I see a freak. The guy's a freak. LeBron's a freak. You know, these guys are freaks. Was there ever a wrestler you looked at that way where like this guy is just a freak? No, never have. Because you know how our sport is, you know what I'm saying? The, the, but. Having the utmost respect for somebody is one thing. Looking at somebody like, you know, when a, when a LeBron James walks in a dressing room or when a Le- Shohei Otani walks in the dressing room and all the other guys in the dressing room is like, um, that's a unicorn. You know what I'm saying? That's just, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. just you know what I'm saying? He was made, not born. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. in a wrestling dressing room, no, but. I know what those guys are talking about. When one guy is just heads and shoulders better than everybody else, you know, like a Usain Bolt when he came to track and field. You know, you just know everybody else are mere mortals, as good as they are. Yeah, Tiger Woods. And they're world class. Tiger Woods was a freak, right? Yeah. Yeah, the young Tiger before he got beat up by his wife and ran over the fire hydrant. (laughs) That Tiger. You know, and Young Mike Tyson was a freak before Buster Douglas. Well, I think Mike was more an anomaly because what I used to say back then, because boxing is a little different. Boxing is a little different than uh, other sports because there's levels to everything. And at the highest level, 
you wasn't beating the highest level of competition. Can't say that about Shohei Taigo. You know what I'm saying? Mike was beating up guys that was coming down and younger guys that was never going to get there. So in essence, we didn't know how good he was. And I used to tell guys this because, you know, I'm a, I'm a boxing guy. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell friends of mine this. I said, you're going to see how good Mike Tyson is. He looked like what we're talking about, heads and shoulders above everybody else. But how good are you when you're in the ring with somebody as good as you? When you walk that's through it. those guys, yeah, that's when you are, you know, the guy. But I used to tell people, as soon as he gets in the ring with people as good as him, that's when we'll see as good as he was. And then when we saw that, he wasn't as good as we thought he was. So, so I'm, I'm sure then you, you feel that Ali was as good as we thought he was, correct? Yes, because he was hitting shoulders better than everybody in his class. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was hitting shoulders. I mean, hitting shoulders at heavyweight because we had never seen anything like And when he started boxing co- top competition, see, when Ali first won the heavyweight title, Nobody thought he was going to win the heavyweight title. But when Mike Tyson won the heavyweight title, everybody knew he was going to win the heavyweight title because the guy that was holding the heavyweight titles wasn't the top, top guys anymore. So it was that he was going, he got hot in that transition period. Right, right. If you see what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So he, the guys that were good, they were on their way down. Yeah. And the guys that were going to be good, they were on their way up. Right. Right. So he was in, he was like a tweener. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Ali was 22 years old when he won the hip, and he was like a 71 underdog. That's when you go, okay, well, let's have the rematch. And the rematch was even better. Then all the guys after that, he was just like, man, I'm going to make mincemeat. I'm going to make mincemeat out. Not until they stripped him of his title exile for three and a half years then you get him with joe frazier yeah yeah it's a big you know what i'm saying yeah yeah what if i had been on my game for three and a half years uh uh events what if i had been on my game yeah big difference but then we seen him we seen him go to the next level after that yeah yeah so that's the measure of a champion brother taking nothing away from mike tyson but I used to tell people, man, I don't think this guy is as good as everybody thinks he is. I think he's ferocious, but is he as good? Because a champion, even when he's in that foxhole and he knows he's got to fight his way out, I'm ready to die in this foxhole or either I'm going to fight my way out. we never seen that with Mike Tyson. Whenever you got in the foxhole, you surrender. That's a great point. Yeah, Stevie, these are great points. I never looked at it that way before, but, I mean, that's a – that's a that's an excellent analogy, man. Well, hey, man, you know, that's why I'm on the show, and that's why we call it black and white. That's why we call it black and white, because people, I have these conversations with people, and they never, they look at everything through emotions in black and white, even though we call the show black and white. They right. look, it's, it's, but a lot of things are bigger than that. Yeah. Because it's like, how many times you've seen Tom Brady, and everybody talk, let's take Tom Brady, for instance. As great as Tom Brady was, what people fail to see, and this is what I say about sports these days, sports doesn't give you the biggest picture. They just want to entertain you to keep you present. 
Right. So they don't inform you on some of the things they should be informing you on. See, they never talked about Tom Brady having the top 10 defense all those years. They never talked about how the defense pulled him out because of Bill Belichick and how he strategized things at the end of games. And somebody made a big play to put you in position to be the hero. See, they never talk about that. They just talk about the quarterback. You know why? Because that's easy for people to grasp and hold on to. Mm. Just talk about the quarterback. You remember when we was coming up, the major league pitchers were judged by their wins and losses and ERAs Absolutely. and all that shit. Absolutely. That? Yep. Yep. Quarterbacks were never taught. It was always when we was coming up, Vince, and you know this. It was always nobody just talked about the Dallas Cowboy. I mean, Rod Starback. They talked about everybody on that Dallas Cowboy team. Right. And they talked about Tom Landry. And they talked about the Steel Kirk. Not just Terry Bradshaw. Not a Hall of Famer like Franco Harris or Lynn Swan or John Stallworth or Mike Webster, you know, or Mean Joe Green, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It was, they talked about the teams, even though the quarterback is always the leader. But have you noticed? Now they talk about the quarterbacks like they're major league baseball pitchers. Have you noticed that? His I have wins, no. Yeah. His yeah. wins and losses and things like that. I've noticed that, and I'm waiting for you to explain to me wh- why that changed. Because that's easier for the fans to keep up with. And then you start making these analogies and arguments like they do on sports now. You see what I'm saying? But you're actually arguing about shit that don't even relate. Because in a team sport, I don't care how good your quarterback is. If you don't have a complete team, you ain't winning nothing. So to act as though Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever and call him the GOAT, that's just another way when I talk about the same way that they do with Michael Jordan. That's a selling point for the brand. Mm -hmm. But for anybody to tell me that Tom Brady is better than Peyton Manning, I'm going to argue with you all day long. He might be the most successful quarterback because he was on the most successful team. Team, right. Not taking nothing away from him. He's a top guy. You don't get no better than a Tom Brady. But a lot of people don't realize. I used to tell people this. If Tom Brady was that great, Tom Brady didn't become this big-time numbers guy until Josh McDaniel became the offensive coordinator and devised this new offense to go with the new rules they had implemented. Josh McDaniel took over and he taught Tom Brady this offense and Tom Brady has been the big time Tom Brady ever since. But before that, uh, before Josh McDaniel got there, do you know Tom Brady only threw for 4,000 yards once? Mm. Did you know that? I did not know that. No, no. Before Josh McDaniel took over the offense and came up with this quick strike, doing everything out of the shotgun, using the slot receiver, Wes Walker, on a linebacker. Back in those days, the slot receiver was covered with a linebacker. How the hell are you going to cover a wide receiver with a linebacker? And that worked for years. And using the running backs as receivers. And st- you know, stuff like that, Tom yeah, Brady, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. All of that was Josh McDaniels. All of that. And then doing the big play stuff over the top when the defenses get tired in the fourth quarter. All that was Josh McDaniel, that whole offense. Because you notice when Tom Brady got his knee hurt, 
Matt Castle did the same thing the next year. Just put it, just plugged him in the system. Remember that? Yeah. And Matt Castle became a very rich man off one year. Yeah, yeah. And do you know Matt Castle never started in college? Wow. That's never crazy. started. That's crazy, man. But comes in because of a hurt knee from uh, injured, torn meniscus and stuff from Tom Brady, and they go 11-5. and five. Matt Castle then gets a big giant contract from the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. I can't make Man, this up, bro, people. I swear, it's amazing now that you point that out, Stevie, because I never realized that, you know, growing up and watching all those great teams – it was the team. I, I, I can tell you right now, bro, you want to talk about it was the team? Bro, Ray Guy was the punter for the Oakland Raiders. How do, how do I remember that? Bro, I don't think I could name three punters in the NFL today, <laughs> but Ray Guy was just as important was as a star. He was a star. Yeah, just as important as Stabler and Belichikov. Yeah. I mean, you, you're right. Everybody, The team was a star. Right, bro. When the, when the Giants won the that first Super Bowl, the, the defense with Lawrence Taylor and Harry Carson and all it was all those guys, and and Phil Simms was one of those guys. He was just one of the guys. Yeah, that's that's a, that, I never looked at it that way before, bro. But nowadays, they because they're trying to get as many people to watch this brand as possible. They've simplified everything for you, and that's not. Then they do that on purpose. That is why I have these arguments with people about this, that, and the other because I know I've been around long enough to see the transition, and I know what I'm looking at. I know what they're doing on purpose. Pitchers, the Vita Blues of the world, the Blue Moon Odoms. You remember them? Of course I do, yes. (laughs) Blue Moon Odom, yes. The Blue Moon Odoms. Yes. You know, come on, man. The man Hungarian. <laughs> the man Hungarian. But but let me ask you this. Is, bro, if that's easier for people to remember and identify with the brand, is that is that good or bad? Well, it's today. That's all the thing I can say. It's today. Because with social media and this, that, and the other, people like you and I, when we was coming up, we were forced, you know, unceremoniously, we were forced forced to have our game up on sports to keep up right right we had to know about everything and everybody and we wasn't getting it from television we had to get it from either the mac either the newspapers or the magazines we had to read this stuff so in essence we withheld a lot of stuff because we was into what we liked even whether it was pro wrestling we was into what we liked Right, right nowadays you getting it from 50,000 different sources. So to simplify everything, just put everything on a great court. Have you noticed every team today has got to have a great quarterback or you don't even get talked about? Bro, it's funny. You notice that? Because you talk about, too, like, Stevie, I know you're a, you know, fantasy football. All that matters mm-hmm. is the quarterback. <laughs> like, nobody else even matters. All that matters is the quarterback. But even the other positions. Right, right. People are watching because of that, not because of the love of the game. Now it's like the love of gambling that's attached to the game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got this guy as my receiver this week. Oh, I'm pissed off because he didn't catch any balls. 
Well, that means you didn't even fucking watch the game and know why he didn't catch any balls. Right. That's right. Yep. You're just caring about what's on your sheet there because you had him as your guy starting this week. They even got fantasy football television shows now. Yep. This this week is a good week to have so-and-so as your wide receiver. I think if you take so-and-so as your running back this week, <laughs> I think that'll be a good a good reason to put him there. I'm like, are we, are we kidding him? What is this? Fantasy? <laughs> right. And they're investing millions of dollars into this TV show. This expert is telling you who to have in certain positions. Come on, man. I'm not from that era, so I don't even get that. Yeah. Because it's like, it's about competition to me. So it's like, as soon as the game is over, what do people say? Oh, so-and-so, he had two interceptions, and that's why they lost. Damn, they ran damn near 90 plays and two plays beat them? What about the other 88 plays? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, okay, I watched the game last year. I'll give you an example. The 49ers against the Cowboys last year. Dak Prescott threw two interceptions. One was his fault. One was a tip ball uh, that the guy missed and, you know, the other guy caught it. So on and so forth. But it goes down as a as the interception on your record. Right. They both happen in the first half. You still got a whole nother half, and they still lost the game. Right. So if the two interceptions lost the game, what the hell did we play the second half for? Right, right, right. I mean, can we, we just would have said, well, two interceptions, beep, game <laughs> over. <laughs> game over, go home. <laughs> Why did we do that? <laughs> yeah. I'm just being honest here. I mean, what we play the second half for? Yeah, that's true, man. That's so true. And and the I, 49ers. I, I well, when you talk about the hero, though, bro, I, I guess, you know, it, it's simple. It's the hero. It's the quarterback. But then on the other side of that coin, does there have to be a goat? I, I mean, yeah, I mean, a goat in the terms of goat. Does there have I mean, to be the guy who starts the game? I understand that, you know what I'm saying, but at the end of the day, uh, you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs against the L.A. Chargers. They kid those four interceptions in the first mm-hmm. half. And they came back and won that game, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how are you going to preach to me straight up? I'm being honest with you, man to man right now. How are you going to preach to me that it's never over to it's over? But then after a couple of setbacks, we're garbage. Yeah. Can't have it both ways. Yeah. Because they didn't say nothing about when the 49ers turned the ball over to Dallas. Okay? And Dallas gets the ball back. So in essence, I got two uh, mishaps. You got one. So it's actually really one that went against me. And you still lost. Yeah. But see, nobody said anything about the 49ers. When they fumbled the ball, you know what I'm saying, gave it to Dallas, and Dallas scored off of that. Right. They got six points off the two Dak Prescott turnovers, two field goals. They turned the ball over. Dallas got three points. So, in essence, it was only three points. Right? Yeah. Yep. In, in essence, it's three to zero right now. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I still beat you. So, how is that the quarterback's fault? See, but in society, doesn't doesn't there have to be a hero and a goat? Doesn't there have to be today? Well, the only thing I'm saying is this. I understand exactly what you're saying, but how are you going to demonize and, and, and 
and, and scrutinize a man for doing something that happens in football on a daily basis and then make it as though he's the one that lost the game. But yet, y'all couldn't even stop a rookie by the name of Brock Purdy. <laughs> well, you, could go- you couldn't even stop a rookie that don't even supposed to be here. Yeah. And Brock came out and said, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a rookie. I was supposed to be here, but I'm going to still eat you like collard greens. <laughs> Steve, what about you're, that? You're on today, bro. You're on. Hey, brother, I'm on every day. You're on When you talk about day. this stuff that people don't want. I talk about what people don't want to talk about because they're brainwashed. Well, I ain't going for the okey-doke, brother. Don't try to brainwash me. The okey-doke. Yes. The okey-doke. <laughs> hey. Don't give me that okey-doke. Listen. <laughs> I got I got, give I, me got that. I got a great topic I want to talk about in a little while that I thought was okay. um I thought was phenomenal, bro. Bro, I, and I always say I get a little hot at you sometimes cuz why are you getting hot at me? What I do only, to you? This is the only show I got to do homework. I, I I wanted to take a nap before this show cuz I'm getting old. I couldn't take a nap because I had to con- continue my research for the show. On what? I well, I'm going to get to that in a minute. First, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a fun fact, and I got some personal questions because last last, <laughs> okay. last couple of weeks with Carl, we had a very very heavy shows, very heavy shows. Yes. I want I want to lighten it up a little bit. Okay. Do man. you know there were two two today? We are recording this July sixth. Two legendary birthdays today. Do you know of either one? No. Okay. I probably Burt know Matthew Ward, Sam. Burt Ward and Sylvester Stallone. I thought you were gonna say Burt Reynolds. Burt Ward no. ain't who is Burt Ward? Robin! I know who he is, but who is it? I know who he is. The man was on TV for three seasons. The boy wonder. Let me ask you a question. If I asked you how old Burt Ward was and Sylvester Stallone born on the same date, what what would you say their ages were? Uh seventy-seven. Who's seventy-seven? Both of them? No, they're, they're different ages. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Four, four five, six, seven. Sylvester Stallone was born in 46, I think. 47, somewhere in there. So he would be 77. Sly 77. You, my yeah. God, Steve, you're incredible. Yeah, Yes, he is. How old is Burt Ward today? I think Bate Ward is older than Sylvester Stallone. I think he was born in 42. Close. When I think about people, certain things come in my head. 43, 40 maybe. 45. Uh, he was born in 45. He's a year older than Sylvester Stallone. Okay. He's 78. Right. So, Stevie, I wanted to ask you this. Bro, listen, and, and, and the Italian thing had a lot to do with it. Burt Ward is Italian? <laughs> Ward sounds, that sounds more like he's Irish no, or something. Sylvester Stallone was a big influence on my life. And a lot of it had to do with it, uh, him being Italian. There's I'm nothing not wrong lie. with your heroes being of your own culture. It's nothing yeah. wrong with that. He, he's a lot. I think some he, people take, take it overboard, people like yeah. yourself, but I'm not going to say nothing about that, but go ahead. When you talk about the, the tapestry of Vince Russo's life, Sylvester Stallone is a big part of that. However, mm-hmm. I want to ask you this, Stevie. Some of these questions I never asked you, and they're little fun facts about Stevie Wright. 
When you were a kid growing up, mm-hmm. who was your first idol? Who can you remember being your first idol and tell me why? That's a good question. Space Ghost? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> space Ghost? What? I think it was Space Ghost. Space Ghost? You wanted to be Space Ghost? Oh, you just asked me was my idol. I didn't say I wanted to be him. Okay, let me think of a human being. Come on, young kid growing up, who who's the first person like you're like, wow, a singer, an athlete, uh, an actor? Okay, okay, give me a minute. Um Damn, Vince, that's a great question, man, because I've never really idolized people like that for some reason. Um, but to be honest, 100% honest, I would probably have to say it's either A.J. Ford or Richard Petty. Really? Wow, yes. a race car driver at that yeah. age. How old were you? I mean, pre pre ten. I mean, this is yeah. Wow, really, bro? Yeah, it had to be either Richard Petty or AJ Ford. Bro, where, where those, did those that, are the guys I used to go and read about when I was a kid. Where yeah. did that car background come from? Because I don't, I don't know. It, it wasn't your dad, right? Your dad wasn't into that, was he? Um, no, my dad died when I was like six and a half years old. Uh going on seven um but he, he no i don't know it just i was always excited about racing always excited about it but let me know. ask you this bro as as you know as a black kid growing up you had to be in the minority as far as i i mean i i our, mean our, we're in the minority even today to today but you're asking me about what i would fantasize about as a that's kid, and I fantasize about being a race car driver. Do you know what 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 hooked you to that? Do you know what know. it was? Wow, that's I interesting, bro. I don't know. I do not know. I just love cars since the day I was born. What about your brothers? Your older brothers? I mean, no, huh? Just wow. That's 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 crazy. And you still love cars to this day? Oh yeah. I'm getting ready to. I want to buy a classic uh, Corvette. Uh, from this guy that we're kind of negotiating right now. I want to buy this car from him, and I want to refurbish it and make it, like, new again, a project. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, because I got a 1969 Camaro that I've had for 23 years. Wow. And uh, I'm thinking about putting it up for sale. And uh, because... I need something to tinker with. You know what I'm saying? I've always been that way. I always buy stuff and tinker with them and stuff like that over the years and make them back right and then have them for a while and then sell them and give them to somebody else, you know? So I got that. That's just in me. I never talk about it with people. It's just something that's in me. And once it's yeah. in me, I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I get remember, that completely, man. Yeah. I remember when I wanted, I, when I was a little bitty boy, I was a little bitty boy, man. I'm in elementary school. And the guy down the street, he's like a teenager, had a 1969 Camaro RS, green, full speed, you know, had, down the street from where we lived. And I was like, one day I'm going to have me one of those. One wow, day. That's awesome. That's no, awesome. no lie. One day. Yeah. I want that one. The RS, not the SS, not the Z28, the RS. 
It's the one I wanted. And, you know, I bought that car, fixed it up the way I wanted it, painted it the way I wanted it. And, and brother, it's got a lot of tension over the, over the years. You know what I'm saying? Love that yeah. car. Love that car. And now I think it's time. It's, I want to do something else now. So, so, you, so that car you still have? Yeah. Wow. And you still drive it around? Well, it's been parked. It's been parked for a while. But, yeah, yeah. I, can, I drive it when I want to. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, Steve, you know now, who my, I would have to say Richard Petty or AJ, AJ Ford. Ford. I remember those guys. Bro, yeah. you know who mine was? I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a hint and see if you could guess. Joe Pepitone? <laughs> wasn't Joe? It's bro, my wasn't first, Joe? No, it wasn't Joe. My first idol was very weird. Hell. Okay, I'll give you a hint. Okay, it it it, it, it looks something like this. It looks something. It looks something like this, and you'd hear this, Stevie. You'd hear this every week. Ladies and gentlemen, Mister Tom Jones, and then that woman <laughs> would grab the mic. Bro, I was obsessed with Tom Jones as a seventeen-year-old <laughs> kid. Tom Jones, bro. Remember the TV show was just a ladies and and, and bro the yeah. hand, and he would. <laughs> oh my bro did i want to be tom jones oh my goodness man yeah, bro my parents used to punish me by not letting me watch the tom jones show wow yes yes oh my goodness man that i wouldn't have never yes. pictured. and you know who i was infatuated with next as i got a little older bro i'll never forget this till the day i die Rowan and Martin's laughing. Who you want to be, Rowan or Martin? Neither one. When they introduced Tiny Tim to America, bro. No, you can't. You, this can't be true. Bro, I have every Tiny Tim album, every Tiny Tim DVD, Tiny Tim bobblehead, anything Tiny Tim out there, I own. Bro, okay. I, th- I think that was my influence for wrestling. You know what? I never got, I never got the tone, the tiny Tim gimmick. I never got it. Maybe being an African American in Texas, I don't know. <laughs> but you, I got never it was got. A you got that it was a gimmick, right? Oh, tremendous! I'm like, it, what kind of tremendous? Tremendous. What, what? I'm like, this a well? I know. I'm like, do people buy this? You know, we black folks. <laughs> and we would ask ourselves, do white folks actually buy this? Oh, uh, bro, I was obsessed. I mean, you know, I'm coming up, I'm listening to stuff like, ah, can turn the greatest sky blue. blue. Uh, yeah, I'm, I am come up listening to that, dog. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You know, I feel good. I come up listening to that. Yeah. But when the tiny temp thing, don't get me wrong. As kids, we watched it, but we just didn't ever got it, bro. Uh, bro, I was fascinated by uh, the great. Then remember when he got married? At Miss Vicky on the Tonight Show. I saw. Yeah. I watched it live, live, nineteen sixty eight. I was seven. I, I'm not mad at Tim. I'm not mad at Tim. Okay, let me ask you this: the first time as a kid, you're 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 watching a TV show or something. And and you feel a little movement uh, down there, and you're like, "What the heck is going? Who who was on the screen? 
Who was on the screen when that happened to you? Eartha Kitt? <laughs> no. Man, you asked me something that I fucking... Oh, how do you I'm, not know these things? Come on, every kid on knows On television? This. I don't know if it was on television. Probably in a magazine that I found somewhere. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it was in a t- on television. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But if I really... if I'm thinking hard right now to Phyllis see... Miller? Possibly. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest. It was probably one of the girls on Hee Haw. Oh, God, forget it. Oh, I'm going to be honest with you. It was probably about, one of the girls on Hee Haw. Which one? About, I don't know. Jane All Kennedy? of them. Jane Kennedy, maybe? No. It's probably no, one of the girls on Hee Haw. Oh, remember those You got to realize, Jane Kennedy didn't get hot until the 70s. That's true. That's, we will be those, talking about the late those 60s. Those girls on Hee Haw, bro. Forget about it, man. Yeah, I mean, I think it might have been a girl. If I'm a, if you're forcing me to say something, probably girls on Hee Haw, because... They kind of show Mini Pearl. <laughs> what <laughs> are you talking about? Mini Pearl now? Well, I don't know. Who, I don't know what. I don't know what their names were. I just remember watching Hee Haw. The reason I'm saying oh, is, I, is I waited for because you remember Hee Haw was a variety show that had all these little clips. I waited for the clips when they had the girls out there with the little shorts on and the little tied up shirts. Oh, yeah. I just still remember that to this day. Oh, I do too. Bar- Barbie Benton. Remember Barbie Benton? Oh, yeah. That's, oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's where you Hefner found her on right. Hee Haw. Oh, okay. my God, Barbie yeah. Benton. That, that, I don't know, but if I was, if I was forced to say, probably Hee Haw. Mini Pearl was the one with the hat and the price tag on the hat. Remember <laughs> Mini Pearl? <laughs> That's Mini Pearl. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first time I felt movement, and, and, and this is a no-brainer, and, of course, it ties in with the great Burt Ward. Uh, bro, when I first saw Julie Newmore. You know what? Uh, I, might be, I might be with you on that. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yes. With the cat suit on. Oh, my God. I forgot about she was the first cat woman. Yes. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, I forgot about that. All right, listen. I want to, uh, I want to flip over to a uh, serious topic. I thought this was a great story. And, of course, this made me do my research so I could have a conversation with, with you about it. Exonerated member of Central Park 5 wins primary for New York City Council seat. Uh, The victory is an improbable feat for a politician novice who was wrongly accused, convicted, and imprisoned as a teenager for the rape and beating of a white jogger in Central Park. Uh, Youssef Salam, what a great freaking story. So, of course, I read this. Then mm-hmm. I got to start reading and watching documentaries about the Central Park Five so I can have an educated conversation. You, with don't, remember, you don't remember that? Bro, I did not remember it in detail. Oh, wow. Yeah, tell, Donald, tell I remember Donald Trump even put up a big billboard about yes. these guys. That he spent like you, 80 How do you remember these freaking things? I don't know. I don't remember stuff until, like, somebody brings the subject up. You know what I'm saying? But I he 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 took out an ad in the newspaper calling I think he for the spent death penalty. Like eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, calling for the death penalty on these five right. kids. Right. Stevie, tell everybody, explain to them a little bit about what the Central Park Five a case well, I, was. A lot of people remember it because a lot of people brought it up when Donald Trump won his presidency. 
it was in the news again, especially when they got exonerated. And he still refused to say that those kids were innocent. Well, they're not kids and they ain't kids anymore, but they was kids back in those days. Yeah. You know, so and even I took exception to that. And what I was really back in the day, what I was really, you know, thrown into the wool about was. Why would you do that with no evidence? Why would you say somebody's innocent before they even have a trial and spend eighty thousand dollars on a billboard to make the public think that they're also guilty? That just never made sense to me. Because, first of all, let's get something straight here. Central Park, five young black kids ain't got nothing better to do than go rape and beat up a white woman, bro. We ain't built like that. You might rob her or something like that, but everybody know what Central Park is about. Mm -hmm. And we ain't roaming through it like everybody else is on a daily basis. Now, I'm not saying I'm some detective or something like that. But at the end of the day, you know how New York is. New York will find anybody to try to put the rap on if they don't know. They're, they, they're known for that. That was even back when you could actually search people walking down the street. And it was legal. And saying that was going to clear up crime. And we all know how big of a lie that was in New York. We all know that. Yeah. So for that to go down the way it did and these kids had you know, all had alibis and stuff like that, still put in jail. And I'm like, wow, well, I don't live in New York. I'm all the way down here in Texas, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. And then I remember when they got exonerated. And do you remember, and a lot of how, people, that, remember how that happened? I don't. I don't. Uh, I just remember, uh, I don't know if somebody was coerced or something like that to lie. Was it has something to do with that? Well, let, let, let me get, let me give you a couple of facts on this case okay. that are so uh, that blew me away because I, I I read about it and then I watched some old news clips and and what guys in uh, in April twentieth nineteen eighty nine a woman in Central Park who was known as the Central Park jogger for years uh, and didn't give her identity till till the trial which was like or or till they were set free I think in two thousand two two thousand and three her name was Trisha. Uh, uh, Melly's. Uh, she was, you know, beaten, raped. She lost like seventy-five percent of her blood. Left for dead in Central Park, and the cops around uh, surrounded uh, five black and Latino teens: Antron McRae, fifteen; Kevin Richardson, fifteen; Yusef Salam, fifteen; Raymond Santana, fourteen; Corey Wise, sixteen. They were they would come to be known as the Central Park Five. I saw a fascinating thing, uh, Stevie, that I could not believe. This episode will continue with part two next week right here at Russo'sBrand.com.